Let's go to Psalms 29 today. See what the Lord would say to us. Let me know if you're there. Say amen or oh me or wait on me or something. Let's stand for the reading of the word if you're not standing and just in honor of the word of the Lord. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I'm doing a lot of teaching about holiness and the beauty of that. But God says here in Scripture, give unto the Lord glory due unto his name. That original word for glory is kabed, I believe is how you'd say that. But it just basically means honor or weight, to give weight to the Lord. The weightier thing in your life should be God at all times. No matter what your schedule says, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, amen. Today the Packer game is out of the way because they're in London, so don't worry. You don't have to run out. But even if they were playing, I wonder if we could give greater weight to the Lord and give him greater glory, do his name. And then it says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. There's nothing more beautiful than a consecration to God. And I just want to talk to you for a minute about honoring God. Honoring God. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? We thank you for your word. We thank you for the beauty that you've put in our lives. We thank you for the power and the authority of God and the word of God. We ask you to use us in this moment. Give us a touch of your spirit. We pray in the precious, holy name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I thank you, God, for what you've done in our midst during this revival how many really enjoyed revival? Amen. Our first real Friday, Saturday kind of thing, and I do believe that God's got more of that in store for us. Amen. I grew up on revival, broke my teeth, teethed on the back of pews, fell asleep under them, and I mean, grew up in church. Anybody grow up in church? Amen. They woke me up to take me down and baptize me when my grandfather baptized me in 81 or so, somewhere right around there. Um, and they shook me out of my sleep and said, it's time to get baptized. I don't know if that means anything to you, but that means we just did things that honored God, even if it wasn't a good time. Just shake the kid. Hey, baptism time. Wake them up. Take them to the tank. They'll wake up when they go down. <laughs> It'll be a rude awakening, but at least it's in Jesus' name, you know. I really believe in the power of baptism. I believe in the power of receiving the gift of the Holy. For some people, it's just that Acts 2.38 experience of repentance. They just, they just feel so much weight come off their life when, when they repent of their sins, that they just start just dismantling the, the, the places and the habits that led them to sin in their life, and they start honoring God with all their actions. Amen. Action is really where God is honored. Honored is best shown in your behavior. And then others, they get baptized in Jesus' name, and they feel the lifting of all the life burdens and all the, the, the scars of sin and the, and the things that come against us when we try to walk through life without God. And they just feel so relieved. They're like, I, I want to stay in this feeling right here as long as I can, that brand new, fresh, washed in the blood feeling of Jesus Christ taking away all my sins and that new slate in front of me where he remembers none of my former past, but he has only seen me from the blood of Jesus Christ. And then others who get filled with the Holy Ghost and they're like set on fire 
on the inside of their heart, and they literally become a ember of change and evangelism and just get sent all throughout the world. They literally change their environment. They never again become a thermostat, but they're a thermometer, and they're not a thermometer, but they become a thermostat, and they walk into environments that should not see the presence of God, and they literally bring God with them. They're changing the environment of every place they step. And I'm thankful that God does that in people's life because we watch that happen. And I believe that that is how people honor God in their life. So God uses people. I believe in some places, though we see great things God is doing, I believe that we are losing in some religious segments of this world. We are losing what it means to honor God. That we need to understand that when we encounter God, it should change the way we walk and it should change the way we talk and it should change the way we think and act and treat others and the way we honor brother and sister. It's the way we should honor each other as deferring to one another or preferring one another as scripture talks about. And we should honor God most of all, but we should also learn that when we begin to honor God with our life, we are better equipped to honor our brothers and sisters and to honor our spouses and to honor those around us. And we begin to love others as we would want to be loved and do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We learn how to keep the great important things in our life. We must be willing to change and obey God and his word. Amen. That it's that brings him honor, Sister Carla. It brings him honor. I remember when I was growing up, so many times I wondered why God steps in and does the things he does. But I think somewhere he knew, and he knows this for you too. I think somewhere he knew that through all the different things that I'd lived through, the most important thing in my life would be become honoring God. And even in the mistakes that I've made, the things that I've tr struggled through, I promise you that honoring God got me out of it. Just continuing to honor God and saying that his blood is bigger than my mistakes. His grace is stronger. His power is more sufficient. God is able to change my mind and my heart. I cannot let myself stay here. I must not get stopped in this place. I must continue to walk with God. And God should be honored just like that. Not only in our lives personally from our past, even though there are things in our past we're glad it's under the blood. We don't want ever want to talk about it again, and we shouldn't, because even the devil is forbidden to go back and talk and pull up things from the past, because God doesn't remember it, and God doesn't want you talking about it again. You don't need to pray about it 25 times and get, get anointed by the pastor till you look like a bucket of greasy fried chicken. You don't need to come and just continually live and delve into your past and replay old memories and old mistakes and old things. No, it's in the blood of God that you honor him. It's in the way that you say, if I asked him to forgive me and I lay it down, it's not okay for me to walk back through my past and kick old rocks and say, look it, I used to do this and I used to do that and I was hung up on this and I was hung up on that. Don't ever put meat back on dead bones, brothers and sisters, because I've watched people that have been sanctified by the blood and washed by the spirit and they start talking about their old life and what they used to do and how they used to hang out and six months later they're no longer living for the Lord because they resuscitated dead they resuscitated their old life back into their new life and they began to give that more glory and more honor than they give the God who brought them out of it and I'm asking you today to turn around and bury some bones leave some things in the past do not give them anything other than a good burial and then walk out of it stop talking about it Stop giving it glory from your past. Only give God glory for bringing you out. That is the message of today. I'm honoring God when I say I used to be, but I'm not anymore. I'm not addicted. I'm not left over. I don't have all these problems just because of what I used to be. God can work everything for my good, and I'm going to honor him while I'm walking out of the problems of the
the past. I do not give that more grace and more time than I give the God who's pulling me forward. God should be honored in our life in every area. Our past does not deserve more time than our present with God. Honoring him begins by putting the right things in their God-given place. And if you have things out of place, you will fill it in your spirit. When you pray, God will say, hey, you overspent last month. Hey, you're not living within your means. Hey, you need to take care of this. You talked harshly to that person. Hey, you need to go back to your child and say, look, I was a little bit over I was over responding. The, 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 the punishment did not match the crime. You need to go back and say, look, I, I, I let that get out of hand and I, I feel bad about it. And we, we, were just, we were just so blessed at men's fire and smoke as we were all sitting around talking about that and people were sharing how God had responded and God had mended relationships all because they turned around and they honored the fact that God says if we repent and we go back and we make it right with somebody, God will begin to work not just on your heart. It doesn't just free you from the offense, but it frees them to, for God to work and turn it around. And mending took place and relationship was restored and friendship was renewed. I tell you, the greatest friendships are built on forgiveness. The greatest Greatest friendships are built on doing the things that God tells us to do in this beautiful book, and it works every time. It works every It doesn't matter if it has to work 30 years from now. It will still work. You have to do what God says, and then you, when you do the word of God, you're honoring God with your life. God also needs to be honored in the house of God. Everybody say, that's where I'm at right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the house of God, a place that is dedicated to the Lord. David mentions the honor that needs to be in the house of God in Psalms 26 and 8. He says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house. I have loved the habitation of thy house. He loved it. And he, the place where thine honor dwelleth, and the place where thy honor dwelleth. Dwelleth. In other words, God's honor is to abide somewhere. It's supposed to dwell somewhere. And God says it dwells in my house. And so we know if we just back up just a little bit, we understand that God's house in the tabernacle was where the Ark of the Covenant rested. And the people of the nations around knew that God was with his people. For he gave them fire to warm them by night and a cloud to shade them in the day. And he gave them an understanding that when that moved, God was moving. And that's, that's what we need to understand, too, is that honoring God means you move when he says move. You take things out of your life when he talks to you about it. You put things into your life when God talks to you about it. He's not just wanting to dwell in this physical location. And I'm thankful for the brick and mortar. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful every time we come in here and God is here. I'm thankful for every moment we can preach this word and God shows up. When we open this book, I reverence and I honor the word of God so much that when we open this book, I want to plug in. I want to hear what it says. I want to know that it, it's moving and changing my life. I want to bless the Lord the scripture says, oh my soul, oh Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. When I hear Hear Psalms 104.1, I tell myself, he wraps himself in honor. He clothes himself in glory. And if you think that's not really a big deal, he says it's his majesty. His honor is his majesty. And then it goes on to say that he covered himself like I'd put on this jacket. He covered himself. He covered himself in light as with a garment. In other words, when you give God glory, you're shedding light on who God is. Is. You're calling out his majesty. You're calling out his beautiful name. You're lifting up the Lord and you're honoring him in your praise. Amen, somebody. We have to make sure we make this a house of honor. When we come here, we need to lay down every, every circumstance and every situation. Nothing should elevate itself in this room higher than the honor and the glory of God. Amen. I love the stories 
that I hear of people who stepped away from difficult lives and the testimony that people tell. And I want you to know that when the Scripture tells us that you overcame in, this, in Revelation, it says we, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm not saying you can't have a strong testimony. I think I, I, I totally believe that your testimony is actually what gives you the power to be a great witness in the earth. But I also know that when God gives that, that indication in Scripture that he wants us to reverence the blood of the Lamb so much that we say that nothing is a problem for God. There's nothing that's too hard for God. If we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. The damage becomes when we only draw near to God with our mouth and not with our heart. When we say things that we don't live and we speak things that we don't, that we don't walk out in our personal life, or we say we believe this word, but we don't spend any time in it, it creates a confusion and a cognitive dissonance in your mind where your brain literally knows that you're doing things that you're not supporting with your own life. And it creates turmoil, and pretty soon that turmoil turns into an inner storm, and that inner storm makes it way out in lashing and in different anger moments and pretty soon you find yourself drawing yourself back from the people of God because you're saying one thing but you're doing another and I come to you to preach as a man of God without fear or favor of anyone but I do know that God tells me to speak the truth in love so hear me when I tell you if you're caught in a cycle of a vicious internal storm in your life of saying one thing and doing another you're going to have to cut some things off. You're going to have to trim away some weights. You're going to have to throw some things overboard to survive the storm and get back to a place of peace with Jesus Christ. You are going to have to put God first in every part of your life in order for you to see the power of what honoring him looks like. It does matter where you are on the house in the house of God or not in the house of God. It does matter what you do with your personal being because we are the house of God. It's important that we understand that Jesus gives us strength to do these things. Can't do it on our own. It's by the power of the Holy Ghost. Joseph is a story that really impresses me when it comes to honoring God told his brothers, listen to my dream, and he tells them the dream. And you know the background story of the dream. You know what he did. And he said, I had a dream, and the sheaves gathered around me and bowed down, the sheaves of wheat. And they rose up, and they stood upright. He was just talking to his brothers, and maybe he just thought he was just sharing something that would not really matter too much. But I want, to, I want you to know that there's going to be some people that hate your dreams. There's going to be some people that don't like where you're headed and don't like what kind of success you feel God wants to give you. And you can either keep it to yourself, which a lot of people say that Joseph should have kept this to himself. But when you share your dreams with people and they don't like it, God will still make it happen. It doesn't matter if you have people around you that don't support you, even family members that don't think you can do that. You know, they may be looking at what you used to be, but you're not that anymore. You're now a blood-bought, blood-washed child of God, and you have a potential inside you that's pulsing through the power of the Holy Ghost. In other words, your effectiveness is not necessarily based on how good you are. Your effectiveness is not necessarily based on how well you perform or you polish. In fact, we understand that the love of God is is what helps us and drives us and you your performance does not make him love you anymore or your ability to line up to some things does not make him love you any more or any less but because you love him you want to honor him in those things and you want to give God your life the best you can and so Joseph ends up going to see his brothers and he's telling this dream and Joseph's brothers don't like him and sometimes it's family that is the ones that can hurt you the most, amen? Familiar are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes it's friends that can hurt you the most. And we have to leave those offenses at the cross. 
I love what Brother Reese said at man as the at the man's men's group, and he said you have to verbally tell God that you release the right to be offended at that, and put it on at the feet of the cross. You have to verbally let go of some things. You may not be able to let go of it just by thinking it, but if you say, God, I release that that offense to you. I release what they said about me. They don't even know me. They don't know my backstory. They don't know anything about me. But they're making stuff up. I don't even. I I, I don't even know if you've ever had to do this. I I've never verbally had to do that. But I have prayed before, and I've just let offense kind of just slide off my back. But I I I can appreciate that fact that some people need to verbally say to God, I I expect no repercussions. I expect no justice from this. I want you, God, to be the God of justice in my life. I want you to take care of it. I will not take vengeance because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I release myself. I release myself from the offense, and I release myself from taking what I feel I deserve out of this moment. And when I release myself, I take myself out of the driver's seat. I take myself out of the position of playing God and I put God back in his place. And so when I forgive somebody, whether they deserve it or not, or whether they even recognize that they did something wrong or not, I am honoring God with forgiving them because I am putting God back in his place. I'm saying you're the just one. You're the holy one. You're the righteous one. You're the one who takes care of every offense. When you stand, you're holy and just and powerful, and you do good to all men at all times. Amen. Sometimes times are bad. Sometimes things are difficult, but God is still good, brothers and sisters. God is still good. And whether you have good times going on right now or you have bad times going on in your life, if you will keep yourself from rising up and saying, well, I'll just do it my own way. I'll make myself my own God and I'll decide what's best for me. Our logic is so limited. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and when I begin to honor God by stepping back and saying I know I feel hurt I know I feel abused but I'm going to pull myself out of that situation and honor God and let him take care of it I'm honoring God in every area of my life Joseph was mistreated by his brothers He was thrown into a pit, and he could have given up. He could have there stopped honoring God. He could have blamed his brothers and said, you know, you just don't see it like I see it. If you had a little bit more faith to believe that God can bring dreams into people's lives, maybe you too would be where I am in faith. No, he could have said all that, and he could have either said that, you know, it's their fault. They're the ones that's making a mess out of my life. But instead, what he did was he honored God, and that pit ended up only being a pit stop. Amen? Okay, one dad joke. I get one dad joke in this sermon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate, I appreciate what he did because he just kept honoring God. And even when his own dream set on hold for years, he still fulfilled the dream of the person he was working for. The things that were in front of him, he put before God. And whether someone helped, treated him right or wrong, he gave God all the glory, and he kept his integrity. He made sure that he kept his integrity. Can I tell you that integrity is the most important thing in your life? What you say, it better be what you do, because that is the most important thing in your life. You're supposed to have a good report with those that are within and without. That's those that are in the church and those that are wicked, those that are not living for God. You're supposed to still have a good report with them. You understand what I'm saying is that you have to make sure that you're living in a life of integrity and you cannot, you cannot live a life of integrity unless you're honoring God in your life. It's just an anchoring fact. And when we don't honor God, it incites his jealousy. Not because he's jealous like a human being is jealous. Not like when someone rolls up in a nice car and you're like, well, why didn't I get mine? You know, I've been working hard, Lord. Where's my blessing? 
Not that kind of jealousy, not a human-based kind of jealousy. God is only jealous because he deserves the honor and the glory because there's no one like him. There's no one that can do you better than God can do you, amen? There's no one that can be better to you or, or do such great things in your life that he can. And when he sees you giving your time, not to him, but giving your time to such lesser things, such insufficient things, things that cannot satisfy the longings of your soul when he sees you giving yourself to things that can only keep you enslaved or ensnared or make you an addict or make you a person who no longer lives with integrity but now tries to find any way they can to get what they have what they need or what they feel they need i'm talking to you about a god who has the right to be a jealous and holy god because he will do better for you than any of those things could ever do for you. And when he sees us running after things that will not help us but will harm our very life and hope in God, he said, I'm jealous of you. I want you and I desire you as my children. Do you understand his jealousy is different from man? His jealousy takes place because we don't honor him in our life. And when we put him first, he loves us. But his jealousy comes from love, loving us so much. How, how, how is it possible that sermons turn into encouraging moments and, 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 and sound bites? And this is the word of God we're talking about today. This is a God who can speak to everything in your life that you don't bring to the surface, that you don't want anybody to see. He's not a God who speaks to surface things. He's a God that speaks to the deep, and he takes care of the things that are inside of you that are manifesting in your life that you don't even understand what they're manifesting, and you can go get counseling and thank God for professionals, but I have a little bit of problem with professional counseling only because they begin to fix only what you feel you need to present, and when you present to them something, you're presenting it as what you think is the most important thing in that situation that you're dealing with but it may not be the most important thing because that is what you're presenting and they'll give you answers and they'll give you relief for those things that you're presenting and I believe counseling is good because they help you fix things faster but God is able to speak to the deeper things in your life and when you honor God I'm not saying stop seeing a psychologist I'm not saying any of that God blessed God bless it all but when it comes down to the word of God over sound bites or psychology. I want you to know that can only speak to the symptoms that you present. This speaks to your soul. This is the word of life. This is the blessing that can change you. This is what can make you new. That can only remedy the symptoms. God does not speak to your symptoms. He speaks to the source of the problem. You don't even know maybe where it's coming from, but God does. And when you honor God and you honor his word, you might think you're just reading something. But along the way, you're bumping through some subconscious places where you need God to tie up a few things in your life. And he goes, I'll take care of that. And I'll take care of that. And I'll take care. And you walk out of a morning devotion. And you don't even realize it. But you walk out of a morning devotion. And God has handled some of the deep things that you were stressing and dealing with and worrying about. And all of a sudden, you're like, hey, I'm happy with my coffee headed to work and I don't even know why I feel so good but down on the inside God has begun to choose and to work and it's all because you honored him and you honored his word amen somebody honoring begins by putting the right things in the right place that's what Joseph did sold into slavery against the Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife, Potiphar, came after him. All right, two dad jokes in one sermon. I apologize. His wife got interested in him. Now, Joseph was apparently an attractive man. He cleaned up nice. <laughs> but he had his integrity. 
And he had his integrity because he honored God. Am I, is anybody tracking with me this morning? I'm trying so hard to preach the word to you. And so he had his integrity and he held on to that because he would honor God no matter what happened to him, whether he went up or he went down, whether he got, it got better or it got worse, he honored God. And so she comes after him and lays hold on him and he loses his jacket. That was the best loss he ever had, losing the jacket. And she said, he came after me to her husband and he was trying to do things and Obviously, he was innocent, and he threw him in prison, but had he not gone to prison for a rape charge over something that never happened, he ran from it. His integrity got him out of there. Had he not gone to prison for that, he wouldn't have been thrown into the king's prison where he met the cupbearer and where he met the baker. And then they came with dreams, and they're like, oh, I got a dream. I heard you're dreaming. You can interpret dreams. He's like, I had this cup, and I was... You know, it goes through the dream. I'm not going to go through it because I got very little time. They said, all right, you're going to be reinstated, and you're going to be squeezing grapes in, into the cups, into the king's cup again. The baker's like, oh, I saw this thing, and this bird are eating in basket, and fruit, you know, they're eating bread out of the basket. And he's like, oh, by the way, in, in a couple of days, your head's going to be taken off. I don't think that was the interpretation he was hoping for. <laughs> you're, you're not... Things are going to change for you really bad and really, really soon. It's like, how do we go from birds and bread to losing my head? It's alliteration, people. It all rhymes, okay? We work on these sermons. He goes to this point of telling this dream, and he's like, don't forget me. When you get back before the king and you're offering the king the cup again as, as his, but, his butler, then um, just remember me, you know, and, and tell the king. And so the king has a dream, and, and something goes off. Bing, oh, I remember Joseph. Joseph gets before the king because of an accusation, a missed accusation, someone that said, you did something you didn't do, but it put him in the place where he could stand before the king. Had he stopped honoring God anywhere along that way, he could have got bitter. He could have got upset. He could have said, they lied about me. They cheated me from the time that I spent. I was, I was literally running his house, and I got thrown in prison from it. When you go from doing things the best you can and you see God blessing it to a moment where it seems like everything is going wrong, that is when your integrity is questioned or actually tested the most. Can you honor God when it's good And can you honor God when it's bad? Can you honor God when you get up in the morning and you get in a nice car and you come to a nice service at church? Or can you honor God when you get up in the morning and the car doesn't start? If you've got problems, it seems like on every side. And you're running from one fire to another fire to put it out. Can you honor God in those moments when it's difficult? If you can, I guarantee you that God recognizes it. And God sees it because he honors us when we honor him. Amen? And so I I want to bring an understanding to you that once they got to talking about Pharaoh's dream and how there were seven years of famine or plenty coming and then seven years of famine, and Pharaoh said, is there anyone like this man? He's not only his integrity put him back before the king, but his connection with God gave him an audience and an ability to interpret the king's dream. And so he put him over the land and he stockpiled food and the land was hit with a difficult and horrible famine. And as the famine worsened, Joseph's father, who thought he was dead, torn up by an animal because they'd taken the coat when they sold him and they'd torn it up and they'd put uh, whatever they put on it, either paint or whatever, the animal blood, and then they gave it to him I'm not really good at rehashing stories sometimes unless I read them absolutely from front cover to back cover. So you know the story. My point is that I'm trying to tell you that his father assumed when he saw the clothing that his, his son was eaten by an animal. So he's living with the loss of his son, and it really was not a loss. Have you ever been in a position where you thought something was worse than it really was because you assumed something based upon what it looked like? Mm, maybe I shouldn't touch that today, Brother Reese. Just keep on preaching that sermon, Pastor. 
Don't be touching the stuff that I assumed and took myself out of the hand of God because I got offended at something that never was going to happen anyway, and I overworked it and overthought it, and now I'm living consequences from something that was never going to happen if I would have just honored God and given it to him in the first place. I ran from things I shouldn't have run from. I lived life in places I shouldn't have lived it, all because I thought something was happening, and it really wasn't. It only maybe looked like it, and I assumed the worst, and so I lived according to my assumption. The Lord told me a long time ago, you've got to stop running, boy, because no matter how I approach God, I still had a tendency to run from things. And he told me, you're running from stuff that's not even there. And I, to this day, have to shut that down. I will have moments where I think things are coming against me, and I'll go into my prayer closet. Thank you, Antonio. You ministered to me. He said, I've never walked into a prayer closet with a fight that I came out with. I don't even remember how you said it, bro, but it ministered to me. He goes, I've never gone in. Like the, the, the intention was, I've never gone in with an offense that could outlast my prayer time. I've never gone in with a problem that could outlast my prayer time. If I spend time with the Lord, he readjusts me. He realigns me, and he starts to pull assumptions out of my life. He's like, that's not you. That's not the word of God. That's not the truth in your life. Here, let me replace it. Here's the truth. You're highly favored. Here's the truth. You're blessed and well able. Amen? So he goes back, and he reassesses all of those things in my life through my prayers and I stop, find myself stopping the things that tend to overwhelm me that are never even there. Can I help somebody today? Joseph did not do that, but his dad had a tendency to do that. And then whenever he found out that his brothers had come, he recognized them. Of course, he tried to hide himself from them. I always wondered why he hid himself Reese, why didn't he just outright tell them, I'm your brother, you sold me what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Why don't you just come out and say that first? Instead, we wait all the way until a latter part of Genesis before he says it. But then they get them food. You know the story. They live. And because of Joseph's pit and because of Joseph's Potiphar house experience and because of Joseph's palace experience, he is able to give them the nourishment that they need so that they survive, and out of them, Judah survives, and out of Judah comes Jesus. We know that God put Joseph in place so that Jesus could come and die for us. Without him honoring God throughout his entire life, good or bad, Jesus would have never showed up. Now, I'm not saying that God couldn't move another way, but God knew Joseph, and God knew that he could do it, and God trusted him with that life. And if you are living a life that goes up and goes down, if you just begin to honor God, he'll let you know that he didn't put you in it unless he put it in you. In other words, he gives all men the measure of faith. In other words, he knows what you would go through your entire life, and he knows exactly what you need, so he puts that much faith faith in you when he's making you. In your mother's womb, he knew you. He formed you, amen? He's still forming our lives. And so he said, they're going to go through some stuff. I'm going to put a little extra faith in their life. They're going to go through some real struggle. Struggle. I'm going to put a lot of faith. Just bring the dump truck. Back it up. We're putting some faith in this person's life because they're going to go through some hard time. I believe there's some Josephs in this room that have been through ups and have been through downs. And you said, though I, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I know that's Job, but still, I want to serve God like that. I want to honor him in the good times and in the bad times. And when it looks good and it looks like it's not going to work out, I still want to honor God because Jesus is revealed in honoring God that way. Jesus shows up. And so we know that throughout that whole story, they get to the end and his dad is past and he's blessed them and his brothers are like we better come up with a story or he's going to kill us now dad's out of the way he's going to take revenge on us he's second in charge of Egypt the most powerful nation on the earth at the time 
under Pharaoh. He's the second manager. He can snap and those boys are gone. He can snap and his brothers no longer exist. And so they're like, we, we, we better do something. What are, what are we going to do? He said, let's make up a story. I don't know if they made it up or if it was something that, jo- that their father actually told them. But I would think, I would think that since Joseph was the favorite son, that he would have told him too. But maybe not. So they said, our father said to make sure that you promise this, that you will not take revenge on us. If you want to read it, some light reading for your afternoon, you can go to Genesis chapter number 50. And it says, Joseph said unto them, actually, let's back up just a little bit. Media team to 50 verse 10, I think, or 16, I gave it to you. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee, now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servant of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when when they spake it or spake unto him. He was like, isn't this buried already? Didn't we deal with this once already? Sometimes things can come back up and you have to honor God again. Sometimes offenses can come back up and you have to honor God again. Sometimes wounds can be reminded and you have to honor God again and say, no, I forgave him. I'm not picking up old things. I didn't bury the hatchet and leave the handle exposed for quick reference. I am not doing that again. And so he wept again because they had brought this up. Now, I don't know if they're just telling stories here or if they're just trying to save their own hide, but he wept And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Everything he dreamed of had come to pass at that point. And Joseph said unto them, This is what's beautiful. He said, Fear not, for I am, for am I in the place of God. He steps back. He takes all that into account again. And he said, I already forgave you. Why do you think just because my dad died, I'm going to bring this back up? But he removes himself from the place of justice. And he said, that's not my position. That's God's position. And his statement, and his statement here in Genesis 50 It gives you the process of honoring God because when you step back from your emotions and you step back from how you were hurt and you all these things that I've already preached, you you step back from that and you say, am I in the position of God? Am I the one that has the right to exact revenge? No, I am not. You meant it for evil. This is one of the most beautiful statements in the word of God. He says... But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. He brought us a principle. There's so many principles from Joseph's life, but one of the most powerful ones is right here in Scripture where he brought us the principle that we understand that though some would do evil against us in our life, if we step back from our personal rights, I know we're addicted in our nation to being offended, but if we can step back from offense and we can say, I am not God, he is God, and everything in your life When you do that and you honor God, everything in your life that was meant for evil, God then begins to work it for good. When you honor God in your life this way, it turns every evil thing around. This is the principle of honoring God in our lives. 
This is taking everything that we say shouldn't have been, wish it wouldn't have. I don't, I don't even like what happened to me here. Every moment we surrender to God like that, there's a place where there's a literal decision in your mind, in your heart, where you go, I'm not God. I don't know enough. I can't fix it myself. I can't make it better without his help. I'm going to put God back in his position. And when I do that, he turns around and he speaks to me and gives me revelation of who I am and what I am to do. When you honor God, God helps you to make all evil things that happened in your life turn to good. He gives you the ability to partner with him so that he can work all things together for good. Them that love God are called according to his purpose. Amen. Would you stand with me today? This may be a sermon that's only for one or two people, but if God sent me to speak this to somebody, I hope you receive it today. There's one person in here that needed to hear this. There's at least one person in here that needed to hear There may be one person online that needed to hear this, that if you don't honor God, you don't release God to work the bad things for good. So we know together as we bow our heads, I want you to physically take yourself back from anything that's offended you lately. I want you to take yourself back from any anger or any hurt that's in your life, the way you've been treated by somebody or the things that you've even said or done, the way that you've acted. Maybe your, your offenses, you're just embarrassed how you, you've, you've fell or how you've done some things just recently that are against the word of God. And you know you did that, but today in this room, there is mercy and grace. And I'm praying if you'll just step back and just say, God, I, I may have made a mistake. I may have slipped up. I'm just praying in general. I, I don't know that I even need this prayer myself, but maybe I do. God, if, if there's someone in this room that needs to hear from you, Jesus, would you let them take a few steps back would you let them put you in your place again as the lead of their life and as the head of the throne of their life? Would you let them put you on high one more time and let them realize that honoring you is the best life they could live, that giving you all of themselves is the best life we can live, and that our conversations and our lifestyles should line up with what we desire from you, Lord. We're not just asking for you to come and fix a list today of things that we really wish you would touch, but we're asking you to come and be in our midst in this moment. Every eye closed, I know we're praying together. Jesus, in your name, mend hearts and minds and lives. Touch those that need it today. Restore and renew the wasted years, Lord God. Restore and renew the places where there has been famine, Lord Jesus. The places where we've walked in wilderness and dry ground, Lord God. Where we stepped out of the will and perfect place of God, but you, Lord, are going to help somebody in this room to honor you today with their life. Someone's going out of here and they're, they're shutting down a chat that they're having with somebody. Oh, it just seems so innocent, but they're talking with somebody they shouldn't be. Someone's going to go out of here and they're going to pull off a social media platform because it's just robbing them of so much time and they're not getting to their prayer life. Someone's going to pull away from here today and they're going to make Bible reading and devotion a new place of honor in their life. They're going to give it more weight than morning exercise. They're going to move their exercise regiment to the afternoon so they can sit in the Word of God in the morning. Somebody's going to give honor to God in this house today. This, this altar's open. Would you come and make this moment weightier than, le than leaving right now? Would you make this moment weightier and, and, and honor God and make it more weightier than doing anything else in this moment. You're welcome to go if you need to, but I wonder if there's somebody who wants to give God some glory. Maybe bow your knee and say, Lord, I bow my knee to you, and I honor you in this place today. I honor you, God, above all other things. I honor you. You are the God who changes my life, who changes my marriage, who can help me. Nobody else can see the embarrassment 
experiencing moments of agitation behind closed doors, but God, you can see it. And I want to honor you in my marriage. I want to honor you with my children, the upbringing of my kids. I want to honor you in every place in my life, God. I don't know necessarily what needs to be laid down, but I know you're going to speak to the deeper things and the heavier things in my life when I honor you and give you greater weight. In this moment, release your sovereign will. Release revelation to those who step back and say, I put you in place, God. I put you first again. Take care of it. You better handle it than I can. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, speak his name today. Jesus. Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need your word to settle into our hearts today. We need to walk away from here different, Jesus. Give somebody a burning bush moment right now. Give someone a Yahweh moment right now. Give someone a Jesus moment where you can change everything. Give someone a Jesus moment. And put me back together. Thank you. 